This episode of the To Die For Daily podcast is brought to you by our all-new web store at todiefordaily.com. Kiss a Prince lip balm, Sunnies. I know you're going to love it. The relationship between Dyer and the media was was always interesting. And I, I remember there was a, there was a royal tour of uh, Zimbabwe. And uh, on the first evening, she held this amazing drinks reception for the media. And we, we were all looking forward to this. But in the afternoon, we were out filming. I was actually with her sister. And we were just chatting about tours like this. And I'd said there was there was a time where we wouldn't be following Diane around the world because it, it was a huge expensive thing to do. And, you know, the, there would eventually be a loss of interest. Oh, my word, how wrong was I? But anyway, <laughs> I'm in this reception that evening and I'm at the end of the garden with a couple of friends, including Richard Kay from the Daily Mail. And, and we were just having a drink and she arrived and we were, we were all trying to keep out of it because she had the dignitaries to meet and everything. And someone said, she seems to be coming straight this way. And uh, sure enough, and I, it's the most amazing image because it was a beautiful evening, blue, gym blue sky. And she's walking down this fabulous lawn straight towards us. And she just came up to us and she said, Simon, can I have a word? And pulled me aside and said, I, I hear you may not be covering all these tours for much longer. And I said, ooh. Uh, well, I, I said something that uh, I will forever. Uh, uh, I said, there's a limit to the number of, Babies, you can go around hugging before we lose interest. I and mean, how wrong was I? Um, but but she said, but but why is it so expensive? And, and we then spend a long time, as I explained, for television at the time, the cost of booking a satellite, sending pictures back by satellite, all the all the paraphernalia that makes television a very complicated medium, uh, much easier to phone a story through to a newspaper. But uh, she had no concept of, of the cost of that, and she was fascinated and and. She, you know, she just said, well, what can I do to help? And I said, well, there, there, there isn't much. Love the British monarchy. You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Hi, guys. Kinsey Schofield here, and I am with actually one of my favorite TV personalities over in the UK, Simon McCoy. You have an incredible resume. But you know what surprised me, and we're going to test the Wikipedia, the, the, the Wikipedia authenticity here. I didn't realize you were actually a royal correspondent for like six years. Is that true? It is true. Um, I, there was a new network in 1989 here in the UK called Sky Television. And uh, I was their first royal correspondent because I'd, I'd done so, had some dealings with Buckingham Palace in a, at, at my previous uh, place of work. And when they heard that, they said, right. It's you. And at the time, um, that was a great gig because all it really involved was traveling the world with the Queen and seeing some fabulous places and uh, not too much pressure. And then within sort of six months of me taking on this job in 1990, all hell broke loose. And suddenly the royals were front page news and, and top of every bulletin seven days a week. Um throughout the next two, three years. So um, it wasn't a quiet, it wasn't the quiet job I was expecting. <laughs> that, that's what I was thinking. Cause when I was looking at the dates, I thought, wow, this is, I think when Windsor ca caught on fire, you know, 1992, when... uh, I mean, it, it was the Charles and Diana's marriage broke up for, for uh, Andrew and Sarah's marriage broke up. It was what the queen described as her annus horribilis uh, just after the fire. And it, it it was it was relentless. It was utterly relentless, and and all of us following the rules. I think well, and the rules themselves. I think we were all exhausted through that whole period. <laughs> um, well, and then and then I think that were you put on the desk 
as a reporter like a year later after you checked out of Royal uh, I was, Corresponding? I was doing some, I started presenting at the same sort of time. So I stayed as Royal Correspondent. I was doing sort of fill-in presenting. And then uh, it was actually in uh, just the start of, at uh, the end of 95, beginning of 96, that I became a full-time presenter, but I was still sort of in, doing the odd royal thing. I, I had ceased to be the royal correspondent uh, when when we all got that news from Paris, uh, but because obviously I'd, I'd worked, at, followed Diana for years around the world, um, I, I was instantly involved. Right. Um, I was going to ask you, but now it feels like an obvious yes. As a, a royal correspondent, you did actually see Diana in real life, correct? You, She was near you. Oh, my word, yes. I mean, we... we 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 used to travel the world with her, and uh, what what she was very clever. Whenever you went, uh, and there was a group, they, they used to call it the Royal Rat Pack. We used they used to be the same people who followed around the world. You could you could be in any airport in the world, and you'd see people who you'd been sitting next to the day before in London. Um, and she got to know us, and she and she wasn't the only royal to do this. But at the beginning of a royal tour, she would always hold a drinks reception and, and meet us all and talk to us. Um, and, and that that was that was a smart move, and and it, it, you saw these reporters who used to spend their their entire careers having a go at her and being rude to her turn to jelly in front of her. You know, she she'd walk into a room and you could just see these quivering, and it was mostly men at the time just standing there with it, looking completely at a loss because secretly everybody was in love with her. I think, but uh, it was uh, it was a smart move on her part, and and it was her moment to to talk to us utterly informally. Uh, and and it was very interesting, I think, for, for both sides to see how it all worked out. Because you didn't pursue that role, do you think that you kind of weren't starstruck by them because it just, you know, this was a job to you? No, I, I think you're always starstruck. I mean, what 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 she had, and I've I've only other I've known two other people who've got this capability. You can be in a room of two hundred people, the biggest room in the in, in the world. And you will immediately know someone has just walked in the room. You won't be able to see it, but people's reaction to that one person, uh, Diana had it, uh, Nelson Mandela had it, and Bill Clinton had it. Those are the three people, I think, you were immediately aware, oh, my word, something rather special has just happened. Uh, so I, I, you never lose that. And actually, if you as a journalist, if you lose interest in people like that, you're in the wrong job, I think. Oh, wow. I love that. All right. So take me to, because we're coming up on the anniversary of her mm -hmm. death. Are you jumped, you know, do you jump out of bed because your phone goes off? How does this happen? How do you find out that this is going on? Well, to my eternal shame, I slept through about eight phone calls. It was a Sunday morning. And, um, uh, you know, uh, if, if you were out on a, for a Saturday evening, uh, Sunday mornings was the moment you, you weren't expecting anything to happen uh, when eventually I, I was woken up I, I had to go straight into the studio I, I did a quick uh, quick interview in the studio and then I then spent eight hours in an edit suite uh, to produce a one-hour program that went out that night just looking at her you know her life and uh, what we did in the space of eight hours I took the BBC I think uh, 10 days to do uh, but the beauty of it was I when you're a royal correspondent, you you can see pictures of her. You know where it was, what it was, what everybody was doing. So it's much easier to sit in edit suite and, and 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 tell a story when when you know exactly what you're talking about and who you're talking about. Uh, and that the she didn't give many speeches, but I, I knew everyone pretty well. So we were able to put a program together quite fast. And that that 
I suspect was one of the most memorable days of my life because I was sitting in an edit suite just desperate to know what on earth was going on in the outside world. But instead of which I was just uh, thinking about Diana, her life and, and my experience with that. Did it feel like it could, it can, this can't be true when it happened? Did it just feel like this can't, this, this can't be happening? I think, I think for a lot of us, uh, certainly it, I, it didn't hit me. It didn't hit me until I was sitting, uh, I was sitting outside Westminster Abbey on the day of the funeral. And do you know what? It hit me when I saw the coffin in front of me and I saw the flowers, which just said mum on them. And I saw William and Harry walking behind. Uh, and I started crying. And I suddenly realized that for a week, we'd had a whole week of the biggest story most of us will ever cover in our lifetimes. Uh, we were working every hour God sends. And for the first time, it was a moment where you sort of took stock. And it wasn't until the funeral, I think, it really hit a lot of us. So um, none of us wanted it to be true. I, I, the, history is a wonderful thing and gets rewritten a lot. I mean, people, a lot of people forget that at the time, she was... Uh, in a phase of not being the most popular person in the world, certainly in the UK, because she'd, she'd given up on her charity work. She started a relationship with someone everybody thought, in, in, in the media at least, was was unsuitable. Um, so, and, and she was sort of battling against the system uh, and was getting quite a rough time in the press. And I think people forget that at the time. We all, we all have this saintly view of her. And at the time, it wasn't like that. That's what I was thinking. And... Um... And I, I wonder, did people dislike Dodie because he was, because I read a lot that it was about race, but I kind of, I mean, this guy had a fiance when he met her. He was, uh, you know, somebody like was wearing a ring on their finger and he was just this playboy and, and apparently, you know, I've read he also did drugs. I mean, this just wasn't maybe not the best boyfriend for somebody that we do think of so as so saintly. Yeah, Kinsey, or every time a member of the royal family um, has a relationship with anybody non-white. Everything's about race, and we're seeing that at the moment. It wasn't about race. It was actually about his father more than anything else. Uh, Dodi's father, Mohammed Al-Fayed, who used to own Harrods, which is the big department store in London, um, was a very controversial figure who who it, it, who was not liked because he was he wasn't part of the UK establishment, and he was. Uh, the, the the way he made his money was controversial to say the least, uh, and 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 they were flashy with their money. He was always flashy with his money, and so when when his son started going out with Diana, Princess of Wales, he 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 made the most of it. Um, uh, and he, he he when she died, he built this ridiculous shrine to her and Dodie and their love in 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 the in the, in the staircase of Harrods. It was I don't know. I, I suppose the words good and taste didn't didn't come in the same sentence very often when you were talking about the Al-Fayeds. That's very, that's a very good uh, example of not the tacky, I guess, is the word I was thinking. You that's see, the, 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 that's the one word, isn't it? <laughs> you I think were, tacky, but the, tacky, but, but he, you know, the, they were, they were influential, you know, you didn't ignore Mohammed Al-Fayed and, um, uh, he, he he as i say in the business world here in the uk he was he 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 was a big name so uh, you had that uh, often uncomfortable and and you know look, look at what's going on now that that relationship between the royal family and money mm. is, is a difficult one uh, and and i think part of the draw of Dodi Alfred to, to diana was here was a guy who, who had a yacht who could give her the life that 
that um, very few other than royals could give her. So it, 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 it worked for them. Um, and we'll never know exactly what was going on with that relationship. I mean, lots of rumours about where it was headed, but um, uh, she certainly knew that it, it, it wasn't the most approved of relationship in this country, and, and that, that may have been the spur to her, because that, that, there was a bit of a, that, ne- that nature in her of, you know, kicking the system. That, well, that's an understatement, given what she'd done to it, but yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do love that about her. That is one of my favourite, you know, I think that that's what draws draws me to her as her rebellious spirit. Um, but I also have always felt like Dodie was just her way of trying to hurt Dr. Khan. And she felt like he would inevitably come back or pursue her because he out of jealousy, which is, you know, I think what was happening towards the end, I've read somewhere that he was trying to call her the night she died to tell her to come home. And if that's true, how heartbreaking. Kinsey, we will never, ever really know what what went on with with Diana and her private life. It it was a, she she was certainly sad. A lot of people say she was treated very badly by Prince Charles. I I, I think there's an element of that. But um, as I say, history is much kinder to her than it is to him. (laughs) But um, she, you know, she was, she was a lost soul. Um, She had her two boys and felt she was losing uh, touch with them because they were going down the royal path and that you know the, the the establishment if you like was 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 saying particularly for William he's he's going to be future king so his life was split between father and mother on that basis and and she was just trying to find a, a role for herself and here in in, in Dodi Alfad she she had someone who could give her that life and give her that sense of escape I mean I remember talking to her about um she 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 complained bitterly that she could never just get away and, and, and be herself on her own. I was never sure about that because I was, many of us were pretty sure she was the one ringing the photographers to tell them where she was going to be most <laughs> yeah. of the time. Yeah. And, and if you want to get away on a holiday and not be seen, there are places you can go. And I, I talked to her about it. Um, so, you know, she while, while she hated the attention, she also craved it. And this was part of the, complete the complication of diana um if she if she'd been out of the public eye i think she'd have been much much more unhappy than she was in it however unhappy she said she was with that right yeah no that's one of the things that i admired um, admired about her too that she i know and it's a little naughty but that she when she was unhappy with the narrative or when she was unhappy with the story being told instead of sitting back never complaining never explaining and she'd go over to richard k or she, you know, she, Andrew Morton would somehow have a stack of tapes in his in his in his mailbox. Um, something about that is really charming to me. But I think it's because she was the first. Now, when I see things like that happen, I'm like, I don't, I don't respect that. We need to leave the royal family alone. But at the time, I was like, oh, this is so interesting. Uh, I was also, you know, a child, so I don't know how much that had to do with it. But um, that is one thing that I really liked about her that she found a way to get out of something that made her unhappy um but you know that that panorama interview um i know that it bit her in the butt but we got to learn a lot about her from that one of my favorite quotes was i'm a free spirit i think it was something like i'm a free spirit and a lot of people don't like that but i really think that that defines her um you, like you said, we we do think of her as almost a martyr today, um, but it does seem like Prince William acknowledges that she had 
troubles more so than than Prince Harry. Is that just well, he because... was he was he was much more aware of it at the yeah. time because yeah. he was the shoulder that that she, she was crying on, and um, and he he was protecting her, and he, and, I, and I think to some degree also probably protecting Harry from what was going on. But I think William, and the, the thing is, any anybody who's in a family which has been through a divorce or a breakup like that knows that it a no one else knows what's going on really other than those who are principally involved in it uh, but also just the impact it has uh, on, on those around them and and the bottom line is um you want your parents to be happy you don't want to see your mother coming home in tears and floods of tears and you will do your best and i think william grew up very, very fast because he was the man at the time and he was a very young man, but he was the person that she she, she was relying on to sort of see him through. And, and that's why you see in him now a, 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 a very, I mean, old but old beyond his years, I think is probably a fair way of putting it. Um, but but someone who at, at his heart has kindness, which which he inherited from his mother, certainly, um, and, and who probably understands much more about that sort of pressure than, than perhaps Harry, and that, that might explain a bit about, you know, why Harry is where he is. No, I'd never thought about him protecting Harry too, but you're exactly right, that he probably was trying to protect his brother from hmm. content that might hurt his heart. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you think Princess Diana's legacy will be? I mean, it's, I feel like we still talk about her <laughs> like she's here. That, that's, you know, that, <laughs> that's a tough question, isn't it? What is her legacy? Um, I think she probably saved the monarchy in, in the long run because she modernized it in a way. Um, suddenly people were, were really interested, and in this country particularly, also in, in America. Um, she did re re rejuvenate interest in the monarchy. Uh, that was a double-edged sword because it was also what threatened it hugely. Um, but she gave it a human side that uh, without which I don't think we would be as fond of them as we, as we are. I mean, regardless of the problems that they're having now and will have when the, when the queen dies, yeah. um, I, th I think her attitude to monarchy has been absolutely strengthened by Diana. Uh, there are those old fuddy-duddies in this country who, who regard, regard her as trying to bring it down. Uh, we're hearing the same arguments about what's going on with, with Harry and Meghan. With Diana... Um, that that interview going on television and 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 expressing what she expressed that that was so damaging to the institution of monarchy and yet the british public loved her for it and um understood her or at least thought they did um so i, th I think there's that side of things the other side of things is she did tremendous things for a lot of charities you know and and and, and they are benefiting to this day as a result of that so, so, so that certainly would be her legacy. But the, her most important legacy, of course, is the two boys um, who are who they are because of her. Okay, I know I told you I was only going to keep you 20 minutes. I have one more question. Um, as long as you like. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I feel like there was a brief um, break with when it came to paparazzi in the media it felt like they acknowledged that something went wrong when she died uh, obviously i think specifically i've heard prince harry he really punches that it was paparazzi that ended her life um when we know that there were so many other elements a, a driver that perhaps had alcohol in his system not wearing the seatbelt speed you know there were mu multiple issues there 
what do you do you think the media's relationship is with the monarchy now do they still think about her death and do they still respond to prince william and his family in a way that is respectful and thoughtful based on her diana's death there's a fundamental thing that you have to understand about the relationship between media and the monarchy. And we keep talking about the paparazzi and, and they are a different thing altogether. So the media, the likes of me, and you know, I at times was pretty ashamed to be standing where with a cameraman waiting for Diana to come out of a gym, for example, it, it's not a job for a grown up particularly, <laughs> but, but there was huge public interest and that was our justification for doing it. She knew who we were. We were never a threat. Uh, the paparazzi, some of them are people, well, I, I, I mean, I can't use the words I would want to use. They were unpleasant people. They were driven by money. A picture of Diana doing anything made, made money, so they did anything to get it. I, I many times did stories about the lengths to which they go. There was a video of Diana just standing by her car in tears because she they, they were they acted like a pack of wolves they would surround her and just how many pictures of one person do you want but you know all the time the sound of clicks and and and, and the flashes and and the the paparazzi yeah i mean they, they 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 do hold responsibility for that sense of being hounded that she had i mean going back to the funeral on the day of the funeral um we were uh, the paparazzi, the, the 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 photographers who were accredited, i.e., the palace had accepted, had a job to do, and they played by the rules. We were all actually in the same area. We were all standing there, and in front of us were the public. And I remember vividly, uh, just before the coffin appeared, the public turned round to the media, and were all shouting, "This is your fault." And they were pointing at the photographers, you're responsible for this. Mm. And, and it was difficult not to say, yeah, we, we, we all, and, and the public too had a, had a responsibility because without the public interest, the paparazzi wouldn't have been doing what they were doing. So that changed fundamentally how, how the, uh, the press, uh, the relationship between the press and the monarchy. And it, it, it makes me sad. Uh, I think to, to see that Harry is is so against the media because my it has certainly changed since the days of Diana, um, and and there is a respect there. But the problem is, and what what Harry and, and Meghan need to understand that, that hypocrisy of complaining about the media and yet using it for you, to your own ends is something the, the public have, have have cottoned onto. They that they and they don't like it. So you you, you can't one day bitch about it and then the next day be saying I'm, I've signed a great deal with a media company with my story it doesn't work and I think that's at the heart of what, what the problem is at the moment but in in terms of the relationship a, a King Charles will will have a, a different relationship with with the media than than, than the Queen has the Queen who can do no wrong yeah. um, who, whose mantra was always never complain and never explain and it, it has worked for her uh, which is why all of us, if we were asked who's the one person in the world you would want to interview, it would be her, because none of us has ever known what she thought about anything. Yeah. And that, that that's utterly remarkable. So Charles and Diana changed all that because we we knew more about their marriage than I than I often know about my own. So um, you know, it was it it, it changed that, that that relationship between the public and the monarchy fundamentally. And and um I actually look at William, and I think he's the one who will probably change it uh, in, in a way that's 
more sympathetic to the monarchy because he gets it. William, William absolutely gets it. You know, when when his children were born, um, the, the media were handled with respect, uh, but they were sort of kept away. But they stayed away because they they understood and, and res respected William. It's all about respect uh, uh, in the end. And, and that's that's what has been lost with other members of the royal family at the moment. Uh, well, Simon, I love talking to you. I could talk to you forever about this. I could talk to you forever about anything because, you know, <laughs> we, talk, we talk about Britney Spears sometimes. So <laughs> uh, indeed, uh, yeah, I, that, that's the definition well, I, of friendship right there. Really? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll finish talking about the Royals, uh, and we'll stay friends on that basis. <laughs> uh, I just meant the ability to talk about anything, Simon, okay? Um, but no you, you could talk without anybody there for a good few hours, so I, I, it's you. We all <laughs> love to talk to you, so thank you very much, because uh, you see, you you know more about uh, Diana than, than most people who, who were around at the time. So uh, it's important to get a, a perspective of her and, and what she was about. You know, very few people a met her, obviously, yeah. but 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 understood that the, the, the heart of of her was 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 an unhappy woman who who just wanted a husband who loved her and and with you know lots of us have been there. That, that fairy tales don't often happen. Now, that, broke, that breaks my heart. But yeah, I would say one of the reasons when people ask me, why do you love Diana? I said, there's just weird, you know, re I relate to loving somebody that doesn't love you back. And you look at Prince Charles and you're like, what are you doing? This is the most beautiful woman in the world. So that's exactly right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I'm going to turn off this recording and then I'm going to tell you that I love you w without people watching us. So I'm going to <laughs> Okay, I'm <laughs> forward to that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the To Die For Daily Podcast with Kinsey Schofield. A transcript of this chat is available at todiefordaily.com. Please subscribe to hear more from your favorite royal commentators. Cheers. <laughs>